Welcome to Curly Brace, a political podcast made by developers. We're here to discuss current world issues from our perspective. My name is Rocket. I am a software engineer specializing in backend automation. Hey, this is Red, software engineer with a focus on AI. And I'm Greg, former nurse developing a degree in clinical informatics. And today we are discussing and educating ourselves on world hunger. Awesome. Okay, so I found some really interesting topics uh, when I was researching this. Um, if you go to like un.org, they have a, a global issue on world hunger itself. And they had what's called the Sustainable Development Goal 2. Essentially what it was, by 2030, they wanted to solve world hunger. Um, and it's actually brought some very interesting, because of COVID, a lot of interesting things happened. One thing is they actually took a step backwards. When 2019, when COVID hit, they had 161 million more people go hungry. So instead of solving it, it got worse because of COVID. So this brings up like a point, like if the UN is trying to provide sustainable food to all of these countries, that doesn't permanently solve the issue, right? Because we have an issue if like COVID happens or something, then they can't provide the sustainable foods. So we need to find like a way for other countries to make themselves more sustainable. Because in 2020, like, okay, interesting fact, 30%, 30% of the world's population is suffering from uh, hunger related issues. 30 fucking percent. That's 2.4 billion people. That's insane. I did not know it was that high. That was just during COVID though, right? No, no. That was in, in, in 2020, a staggering 2.4 billion people or above, thir- above 30% of the world's population were moderately or severely food insecure, lacking regular access to adequate food. That's more than a quarter of the world. How much did you say uh, COVID uh, increased that by? 161 million people. And from in 2020, between 720 million and 811 million persons worldwide were suffering from hunger. Uh, I'm assuming that means starvation. Roughly 161 million more than in 2019. Did it so uh, specify- From 2019, it went up by 161 million people. Did it specify the specific reason why COVID uh, caused that uh, that influx? No, it doesn't uh, say specifically. Was it like supply chains or anything like that? It doesn't say anything specific like that, no. Because a lot of people were put out of work, out of commission during that time. So, But the thing that we're still reeling on even today is that the supply chains are why we're still seeing... Yeah, but this in cost of everything. This just brings us back to the point that we need to we need to find a way to like make it more sustainable uh, for people to grow the food on their own. Like we need to provide sources and land. And yeah, I think like that. you know having a global supply chain of food is nice for the developing country or the de- the de- uh, sorry the developed world. Yeah, but for countries that are not as developed, like for example in Madagascar. How do you get food from one place to the other? The only option is to drive it on a dirt path, right? And where do you store the food? Where do you, you know, house the food? Yeah. And in war-torn can, areas, who controls the food? Yeah, but the cost of flying it versus teaching them how to grow things. How to grow it agriculturally. Right. Like, and and is it possible, right? I mean, like in sub-Saharan Africa, can you grow anything? 
know that's a like, great point like how, how yeah how do you grow point. stuff and I, yeah. I mean, my yeah. assumption would be the answer is with greenhouses right you oh that's a great point you could just do massive like they have like in here in the u.s we have our hydroponics farms that have been popping up those are right. really cool and they're like self-sustaining you've got like fish in the bottom like in the tanks like feeding on all the algae and stuff and then the water yeah. pumps through all the plants like they're really cool like that would be really neat but that's expensive I got a uh, uh, article that I just linked into the chat. Uh, yeah. Let's find this hydroponic warehouses. Really? Yep. Let me see that. They got this down to a science. Uh, oh, this is how really much cool. Water's being used, oh, the and look at that. They're, they're recycling plastic cups and stuff too, from the looks of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got mm-hmm. some. Yeah, there's already. Uh, they got these going in the works right now regarding the uh, growing food in the desert like that. One of the topics I was going to bring up were food deserts, but it didn't really pertain to like actual deserts. It was more of like in large sprawling urban areas where it's like it takes oh, longer to get this food a- delivered to, um, you know, developed areas that are, you know, really far away from uh, food sources or from like, you know, healthy food sources like that. This, this is also addressing the issue of agriculture, our, our way of agriculture, um, damaging our land. Like this also addresses that issue, right? Every oh, minute, yeah, due to over farming and how long yeah. it takes for the soil to even recover. So they have this, this paragraph here. Every minute, the equivalent of 30 football fields are, are of arable land is lost due to its intensive use precisely in agriculture, in addition to the effects of climate change. The problem is that the third of the soil is already used to produce food, but increasing it to an extent threatens biodiversity and ecosystem. And according to the World Agriculture Organization, it takes 1,000 years to generate the top layer of three centimeters of land. 1,000 years to regenerate that land. Thus, according to the United Nations, the amount of productive arable land per person can be in 2050 at one-fourth the level it had in 1960 damn so 2050 it's going to drop quite a bit so this is this is this would help address that issue because you're not directly affecting the land in this case so yeah not like the natural yeah not the natural occurring land what's great about this uh idea too behind uh, behind uh hydroponic warehouses and stuff like that is that it's a controlled environment so there's fewer pesticides fewer urban like uh fewer chemicals being used to uh that's a good uh, point because you can keep all the pests out uh just because it's in an enclosed area it's not being it's not uh open to the elements like hail drought over uh over watering from like you know, excessive rainstorms, which a lot of farms are having the opposite issue where there's just not, you know, as much water as there used to, as much rain as there used to be. But in a controlled environment like that, everything's controlled. The amount of sunlight, the amount of water, and you can minimize the uh, amount that's needed um, to do it, to prevent it from overwatering or from just wasting water. And uh, no, no, uh, you don't, you don't have to use, uh, pesticides or anything like that i wonder if this is part of the un because they mentioned the un in the article you linked so i wonder if this is part of the uh sustainable development goal to zero hunger by 2030 um un thing so i wonder if that that's a part of this uh i didn't see anything uh regarding that i see the who or no actually the world agricultural organization yeah and then uh, they, they but... mentioned the united nations as well 
Oh, that's just a stat. Uh, oh, no, you're right. You're right. Of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's just a stat. It's just so like not... if, we could, if we keep uh, continuing the way we go, productive We're going to jack up our land. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to jack it up pretty bad. If uh, Just because they have to, they got to turn over the land once they, uh, you know, reap the harvest to get ready for the next one to get the food out. And this, not just this because, is... you know, we need the food, not just because, you know, we got to keep people fed, but because, you know, the farms have to be profitable enough to, you know, stay in business so they can keep doing this. So This is great and all, but again, we're really pigeonholing ourselves into talking about just vegetables and fruits, right? There's a major issue, and they have this in Vietnam with like cows and, and producing meat, right? Like, so they just like really rely on chickens in Vietnam and, and uh, sometimes pork, but like they can't really, they don't have a whole lot of access to good beef um, because there's nowhere for the cows to like graze or eat. So they can't like, they have cows, but they're like not very good beef and it's like scarcity and like, so you're really just eating chicken, and that's it's not it. good beef. Like, is it, is like it just because of just, all the filler they're filling them? Or yeah, is it yeah, because... it's just all the filler. Like, it's like when they when they make the beef, it's crap. Like, it's it all tastes like crap. And the only the only good beef, believe it or not, is like there's this small little restaurant I went to, and they serve like in it. I think it was a baby cow meat, and it was just like really tender. But that was it. That was the only way they could get it tender was to like kill it when it was a baby. Uh, ah, yeah. similar to lambing. Yeah. Can I just bring up that it's still crazy to me. I I, uh, I was donating uh, plasma uh, a few months ago, and one of the questions I ask you is, uh, "Have you been to the UK recently?" Um, the a UK. Certain amount of, yeah, they're still screening people for mad cow disease. Oh wow! Mad cow disease was like an '80s thing. Back That's when uh, it came out, uh, right? Like, yeah, it, it says here it started in 1986. They're still uh, screening people uh, who came from the UK or who spent a, a significant amount of time, or a, yeah, a significant amount of time. Like, I think it was a couple months, and yeah. uh, they were like, "It was like, yeah, if you've uh, been there for a certain amount of time recently or anything like that, then uh, you need, we need a you can't be donating." Oh, John, you're still John. worried about Mad Cow. I only bring it up because of how, like, you know, you know how Mad Cow was uh, started. It was from you know cows being fed other cows yeah that's it's trippy uh God, you know what rocket was telling me earlier he he did something with chat gpt to to look into the issue a bit i did oh let's see what ai has to say about this I, well and so i was gonna start with that but then we got started talking about some other really interesting stuff so yeah um how do you I, end I'm, human suffering from hunger well <laughs> this is I, so i just asked how you would solve uh, how i asked chat gbt how would you solve world hunger okay. and so here is the list uh that came back okay increase access to food no shit reduce food waste no shit improve distribution channels no shit <laughs> address poverty and inequality great address yeah. climate change okay Provide aid and support to those in need. No yep. shit, I would have never guessed. No, no. You yeah. should, what you should no, do is you, you should get back on Chat DPT and ask them specifically about one of the the issues they well, they tried to address. Let, let me bring up some statistics really quick, specifically around the poverty side okay. of things. Okay. Um, because while these hydroponic uh, okay. houses are a great idea, okay, seventy five percent, and this is according to. I think it's the world world food or something. 
I looked it up. I'll find the link. But 75% of the world's malnourished people live in conflict zones. Ah. 75%. Your number of 2.2 billion or whatever, that was way off from what I saw on that website. It was 828 million. But even so, let's just round in the middle and say around a billion. To clarify, my my number comes from um, people who are moderately or severely food insecure, right? Just anybody okay. lacking adequate food. So it doesn't even okay. have to necessarily and that could be even include like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have food tomorrow because school's closed. Yeah, right. So, but here, right. here's but my, not my like numbers. I have no food. I have no access right. to food. No like, access I'm... to food would be 720 million to 811 million. Okay, then that lines up with mine. So yeah. 828 million is what I have on here. Okay, yeah. Now, out of the 828 million... Um, 14 million suffer, uh, children, 14 million children suffer from severe acute mal- uh, malnutrition. Jesus Christ. So 14 million, 45% of child deaths worldwide are due to hunger and rel- hunger related causes. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're a child, how the fuck are you going to, you yeah. know what I mean? How do you, yeah, I mean, and and you think about like infants and if the mother Five can't eat, she can't you know produce I mean? milk. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, but, but the, the, the most interesting statistic out of that, though, is 75% of the world's malnourished people live in conflict zones. So even if you build these hydroponic warehouses, even if you build all of this stuff, if you get some dictator in there because it's a developing country and it's unstable and they say, nope, we're going to take control of this hydroponic warehouse and no one's going to be able to access it if they don't vote for me. Ooh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like just personally, I feel that while all of this is great, you still have to have some sort of UN distribution point to get to the people in need until the countries are reliable enough to where you can actually place those, you know, those warehouses and the the different growing mechanisms and, you know, larger distribution points internally, you can place them inside the country. But if you're going to, you know, if the if the country is going to be at war in a civil war for the next decade, are you really going to start building infrastructure there? Was that um, like a problem in Thailand, right? It was like they had all those different religions and they were constantly in like religious wars and it, it like really fucked up their country. Yeah. I mean, look at Africa, right? Yeah. Like the Congo and, you know, I, I mean, all the, the different countries in the middle parts of Africa that are always at war with each other or having a civil uh, war. Uh, yeah. Or, I, I mean, mean, pretty much a lot of countries in the Asian continent is like just constantly at war. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, and I think that, you know, war in and of itself impacts the most amount of people in a negative yeah. way in regards to hunger. Can we point out um, that maybe it has a lot to do with religion as well, not just war? Uh, it, absolutely. I mean, well, and people people go to war over religion, right? And most so, of these wars are religious wars. Right, most of them, right. not all of them. Religious, territorial, yeah. or agreed, right? Yeah. I, I would say uh, Africa. I don't know. Actually, is Africa more religious wars or is it more territorial and greed? Um, I know Asia yeah. is, is, they have a that lot is, of wars based on religion. And, and that's where a, a lot of wars are happening. Yeah, I, I, that's that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, the Middle East, obviously, you can assume that's such a strong Islamic area um, that it's more territorial. If you, I yeah. would think, if you have is Islamic versus Islamic, but maybe not. I don't know. 
So this problem is going to need a short-term solution and a long-term solution. Those hydroponic warehouses are definitely a long-term solution because they're going to need time to develop that, get it down to using as little uh, amount of resources as possible in terms of cost of building them, getting them set up, and how much soil and water and all that stuff to use. That's like a long-term solution right there and getting it out to the places that need it um, because it doesn't have to be used in deserts. You can use them in any other that way you can grow uh in any other uh, biome that way you can grow uh different types of foods from different types of years you know yeah um, and you need to provide um, proteins too like meat you know and all that yeah like yeah we you also have to think about not just the warehouses though but storage right yeah, storage. Like, i don't know if you guys know this but like fruits and vegetables they, they are stored for a very long time before you actually consume them in a yep. lot of cases yep right because they, they, there's a season for apples, right? But they s store the apples in the dark to keep them from growing for, you know, six, four, four I don't know how many months. It's, it's months, though. And they keep them there until they're ready to go to the shelves. And they, that keeps them fresh. So you have to think about that, too. That keeps them not edible, just not necessarily fresh. Well, like, not fresh, but yeah, yeah edible, right? Yeah. I mean, like, they don't rot. So you have to think about that too. But I agree with Greg. I think that's a long-term solution. I think that a short-term solution to start helping, I, it's... It's going to cost a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> how, how, do we provide, lot of money. how do we provide this these resources to kids who can't or don't even know to take care of themselves, right? Like, how's a five-year-old going to know to go and find one of these hydro ponic fucking plants to get well to start with uh the kids and to start on the, the it would be path well, would be from like yeah. uh, uh let's start with like the developed uh nations uh which ones uh do we do we ensure that kids get uh lunches and how here it's kind of a here in the u.s it's kind of a crapshoot depending on the state and county that you're in whether yeah. or not uh free or reduced lunches are even uh provided but yeah uh i had an article here uh can y'all, uh, there's four countries that provide free school lunches. Can y'all okay. guess, uh, one of them? Japan. No. No way. Japan's not no. free. Really? No, not entirely free. Canada. No. No way. Uh, Sweden. Yes. Okay. That's one. Okay. Uh, it says here, New Zealand? uh, yep. Uh, between the ages of six and 15, uh, you are entitled to a free school lunch every day, but this is from an organization that helps the schools. I don't, it doesn't say here whether or not the government provides anything for anyone younger than that, if they're in like pre-K, but I would assume fact, that would provides. have to like, assume if they even have a pre-K because yeah. it says six to 15. Right well, here. Uh, that's yeah, one. Uh, the other three are Finland between the ages of six okay. and 16, a free daily school meal in both primary and secondary schools. Cool. So they got that there. Nice. Um, India and Estonia. And then it has a on a side note it has US but it's so it but uh um it's it depends on the state and all that. In fact, I actually <laughs> yeah. have another uh it's the United that. States, right? It's not yeah. the I'm going to post the one for uh the uh countries that uh provide uh school lunches and then here's another one. Uh this one is in regards to uh the states that provide here in the US. Okay. Uh it's all over the place depending on where you're at. Oh Never mind. It's not even going to show up. I'll post this other one instead. But yeah, only four countries, and we're not even one of them. 
Yeah, I, I, I guess my thing is, is you know, in in a super poor country, are the kids even going to school, right? Yeah, that is yeah, true. This does are, rely. Right? This was that's why I started on the developed nations where yeah. there are schools. It to schools. There are schools, but the problem is the education is trash, right? Like yeah. in Vietnam, they have well, schools, but even but even if you just ignore the education good. aspect of it and just focus that it's like you know a place for your child to obtain food and spend eight hours, right? Even right. if they're not getting yeah. any education, but even it's even developed just... countries, undeveloped countries have have uh, like public schools. You know? Right, right. That's what I mean. And so yeah. even if the education isn't, a, you know, a quality education, yeah. it still it's... provides a means of delivering food to communities. That's a good point. Right. Yeah, you could rely on their it's... public education system to help, you know, distribute uh, food to families. Food. Yeah. And even the ones that do, um, it's, uh, this goes back to the religion part of causing, uh, causing some issues as well. Um, it's not equal in terms of like the distribution and all that, because India, right. like uh, countries like India, they have like a caste system uh, based on religion. So like, if you're not in, within the right caste system, you know, you're not going to get access you to know, the best schools or even like any schools. If you're, you know, in a very- You get an A5 wagon lunch, you get a potato. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting too. I was just reading something on that this morning. Uh, and apparently the caste system is illegal in India now. But everyone ignores it. No way. Yeah, it, oh. so everyone ignores that it's illegal. Oh, it's like us illegal. and uh, us and bribing politicians. That's yeah, right. I mean, it's not yeah. bribing; it's lobbying. Exactly. Yeah, we're lobbying. God. Yep. Exactly. So, discussing the uh, United States specifically and what we contribute to the global food supply, I wasn't able to dig into more exports really, but uh, the one of the largest ones that we export is food grain. And out of that is wheat. Really? So the United States produces 2.2 billion bushels of wheat per year. Damn. 2.2 billion bushels. Do you know how much? Uh, that's it's actually almost how, the same as how many China. Bushels we have a does much it smaller take to make like a loaf of bread? Yeah. Uh, well, so let me let me explain it like this. So the U.S. is left to export one billion bushels of wheat per year so we use 1.2 billion bushels yeah yeah now how many bushels do you think the world consumes annually uh that i'm i don't know uh we produce 2.2 billion and we personally consume 1.1 billion so how many probably two two billion three billion 29 billion bushels no way i didn't think other countries ate that much bread Yep, twenty nine billion. That much wheat, I should say. That is the total. I, I uh, did the calculation because it is thirty. It's about thirty six point seven bushels per metric ton. There's that that book that discusses how wheat, the plant, actually domesticated humans, not humans uh, domesticating wheat and like building agriculture. It's like wheat convinced humans to agriculturally grow and spread itself. It was like a book. Yeah, they saw the long grass and like, what the fuck do we do with this? They were like yeah. trying to eat it raw. Like, nope, maybe we grind it up. Well, what I'm what I'm saying is, is there's like a book that that brings up a a, a theory that essentially wheat um, tricked humans into growing a crap ton of it. I mean, uh, it's, it's is it not like we started with maize first? Yeah, 
uh, at least here in the well, yeah, yeah, we did start with maze. Yeah. Go on. Uh, what was so the word an, I just said? Another interesting, another interesting thing is that most oh. of the products, especially in the uh, the food area of the United States, when we export it, we export it raw. It's not manufactured. So, like, for example, we export wheat. We don't export flour, right? We export corn. We don't export cornmeal. Right. Well, here, so, here's, a, here's, here's an article on, on how uh, slaves to wheat, how a grain domesticated us. So we didn't domesticate, like, wheat, right? Like, kind of like how we domesticate a dog, but wheat domesticated us. Another thing I haven't seen in a while uh, that, you know, was always posted on, like, Reddit and stuff or on, you know, clickbaity stuff. But, like, whatever happened to those solar, like, uh, those windows that acted as solar panels? Why aren't we seeing more of that? Oh, uh, they're probably not very just, like, efficient. Back in, like, solar panels? They, they're probably yeah, like, not that efficient. <laughs> you know, they, they probably don't generate that much energy if they are. I'm not aware of this, but uh, I'm not aware of these windows. But it, I mean, the way I, the, my first thought is, if you look at the new like electric car from Fisker Ocean, they have the solar sunroof, and it it takes a whole year for it to generate just 1,500 miles, an entire year, or yeah. 1,500 miles. But that's yeah, like I a mean, consumer that's... grade. I'm talking like, uh, are like, you talking about like giant buildings? Yeah, like skyscrapers. Yeah, I'm not talking like that. Yeah, like we don't have transparent solar yet. Like, we don't have solar. Yeah, like, like you could do it. Well, I mean, you could do it. You would just have to, you it'd know, okay. cut out every it'd, other window. Yeah. Right? Once be, we get that going, imagine that with a, a hydroponic uh, warehouse right there. Dude, that would be amazing. That would be the, yeah. for any like the crops that yeah. need a little bit more sunlight, but Imagine they're located just, in an area that you, doesn't have as much sunlight uh, throughout the day, like in like uh, places like farther away from the equator. And, and the other thing like you have to consider is it's probably not as efficient as just putting solar panels like on a roof or on the ground because solar panels on the ground or on the roof can be pointed so that they face the sun for a majority of the day. If you put solar panels on windows, like maybe like 40 or even 60% of the windows probably won't even be getting sun for a majority of the day. Because for the purpose of electricity, sideways. I can agree. But in terms of sunlight though, and with the, with the, uh, pro with the byproduct of that being a little bit of energy extra for, that's what I was saying with, uh, you know, being able to let sunlight through, you know, to light up these plants and um, these crops but then also store some energy in like some a backup we system later in case of days solar. for like we don't have such yeah, transparent that, solar that's, that's what I'm understanding. We don't have currently transparent solar panels, so it would let no light in. It, it would, would be just completely be opaque. Generating. Yeah, completely opaque. Yeah. Look yeah, that's that's the current in, problem. I'm gonna post an article right here. There's this company in the Netherlands, Fisi. Yeah. That are trying to do that as well with smart windows. Oh, they got a little video too. That's cool. There you go. Computer proves. But I see. Yeah. Solar windows look like regular glass windows. That would be a long term like solution, panels. not just for, you know, for helping with assisting in um, reducing <laughs> and hopefully eliminating world hunger, but also just energy needs in general imagine having I mean, a house equipped with a solar with solar windows this is really cool 
but like what's their timeline on it because i don't even see like a again long term it said well it well it actually it for says funding and researching uh could prove this is uh transparent solar windows for buildings at high volume in 2024 huh so in one year uh, i don't i don't know if i buy in one year they're like, probably maybe not available to everyone. What did they say? From it 19? says 2024. When was this article written? September 2022. Yeah. That's very ambitious to be able to turn that around in two years. I It's something worth following, though. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's something worth following. Yeah. Yeah. Even if about... they don't succeed, that's still something that's worth... I hope they keep up the development until they do succeed. But like to Greg's point, so like I've wanted for a very long time now the robot garden, the which robot is garden. yes, oh, it, yeah, is, the... it is. A, it's Raspberry Pi based, and you can buy. It. I can't remember the exact name of it. It might just be Robot Garden, um, but it's basically like a conveyor or not a conveyor belt. It's more like a uh, like a arm that is on like a track system, and it will take care of your plants for you Wait, all the way up until they're ready. What is this robot garden? Yes. I saw the I saw the parody of that where it's like a potted plant with like a like a robot arm and it's like just like it keeps swinging a knife trying to prevent farm the bot. cats from <laughs> Yeah, it's called it's called Farmbot. So oh, I've wanted one of these for a very long time. Very long time. But to um to Greg's point, you know, if you could generate enough electricity from transparent solar panels in these hydroponic areas. Oh, CNC farming. It's a CNC machine. Yeah, kind of, yeah. But for farming, this is really cool. You even like develop a grid. It's got because it's a yes. CNC machine. It drills and it like makes the holes and plants the seeds. It waters everything. This is amazing. I know. That's and you I can said. just wrap it's it really in a cool. greenhouse. Holy shit! Yep. That's dope. you can literally run this in a greenhouse. They got a yeah. sensor built in to detect oh, the moisture some, like right yeah, up at. Tripping. How much is this? It's expensive. Like Wait, it's, how expensive? it's a couple grand. It's a couple grand. Well, yeah, 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 like, a couple like, grand, like what? Like three grand? Five grand? It depends on the size. When I was looking, um, let's see. You want the... I want like a medium or small. I don't want a giant. And you want the Express. You want the Express, I, I don't think. see the Express. I it see says here the, the drip emitters. Oh, here it is. Water the plants are used to... Uh, re reduces the amount of water needed because it's got it down to a science, how much water this plant right here needs. And it prevents... Uh, Overwatering and let and giving any uh water to like weeds surrounding weeds or anything, dude. It's only 1500 bucks for the little bitty one Farmbot Express XL version 1.1, which is uh max serviceable area 2.3 by 5.7 meters. Where are you seeing that? I'm looking. Oh, I see. Um, it's just in this, some dude's backyard, too. This isn't like a this is really yes. some startups cool. proof of concept. This is just some holy guy shit. I'm it. bookmarking this. I'm gonna get this. So yeah, it, I mean, so that's that. But on a much larger scale, you could basically automate, in theory, a you know one acre hydroponic warehouse. You totally could. You could probably just build a few CNC machines. You know, yep. <laughs> just Interstellar predicted the future. Yeah. They did a lot of research for that movie, though. Interstellar. They did a whole lot of research for that movie. Well, so, how many engineer? How many engineers does it take to replace all of the farmers in America? Holy shit! Probably a lot. A fraction. Fraction. Yeah. I mean, 
uh, is it John Deere? I, I think it's either John Deere, New Holland, or one of the tractor suppliers is already working on automated tractors. So it's three completely grand. driverless. Three grand. John Deere is busy with trying to prevent farmers from even working on their stuff still. Probably, yeah. So it's three grand for the big one, apparently. Three grand. I'm yeah. looking at this one right here. That's just fifteen hundred. Yeah, the fifteen hundred is the express. If you want the big one, the Farmbot Genesis. Oh, the Genesis. One point six. It's two thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. Gotcha. Oh no, John Deere. Uh, according to the BBC, John Deere has agreed to give U.S. customers the right to fix their equipment. Oh shit. Uh, keyword U.S. U.S. customers. Yeah. Yeah, John Deere's yeah. global, but. At least for the U.S. farmers, they I mean, repair their stuff without. Don't we have the right to repair stuff. law? Like they, they don't have the fact that they came out and they're like, yeah, I guess we'll let them do it. It's like, no, there's fucking laws that. What do you mean you'll let us do it? You know, one word, <laughs> lobbying. <laughs> I mean, you guys do know about Ferrari, right? Like, <laughs> I heard about Ferrari back when. Uh, who was it? Uh, it wasn't. Was it Daft Punk? It, it's been a couple of people. A, one of the, All they some, want to do is paint their Ferraris, and then they get sued by Ferrari. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, that's crazy. That's that has to be a publicity right? thing. That that can't be a like a legitimate no, like. It's legitimate. They do not want you painting. Have they ever forced it? Oh yeah, yeah. I they'll sue you. They'll straight up sue you if you change your Ferrari. Because it's part of the owner's contract or whatever, I guess, when you sign it. Yeah, but in America, we also, I mean, we have rights that protect well, it's us. It's not like the oh, average yeah. customer can get a Ferrari or need yeah. a Ferrari. Yeah. So. yeah. But I just think on it's the, funny because Lamborghini the hierarchy of uh, <laughs> priority, uh, that's at the very uh, bottom. We have to protect yeah. the Ferrari customers. Kids can't. What were we talking about again? Uh, starving people? Ah, uh, no. What about these Ferrari guys? <laughs> <laughs> Kids don't have a reliable source of food depending on their state and county. Ah. Can't paint my Ferrari? What? <laughs> we were just on the job. Why do I even pay taxes for? Yeah. I can't color my damn Ferrari. Exactly. <laughs> Get a waifu wrap. <laughs> Dude, a waifu wrap on a Ferrari. <laughs> 700 children die every day from dirty water. And unhygienic living. Oh, that brought up another point I wanted to make. You guys know about Mexico and Coca Cola, right? Um, I know that their Coca Cola tastes better because they use real sugar. Cane sugar. Well, that's yeah, not, that's sugar. not always the case, but yeah, they have they have Mexican cokes which are cane sugar. But Co- Coca Cola is like taken over Mexico and it's like made it extremely difficult for them to get clean drinking water. And in fact, they've convinced the Mexican people. Like that, Coca Cola is like the best thing ever, and some of them even believe it cures them of like illnesses, and they give it to their babies. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah. Coca Cola in Mexico are wild, dude. Wild. They don't. Fresh drinking water is the same price. What? Yeah, as Coke. That's insane. Yeah. It's why they have a diabetes problem and people are dying like crazy from it. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, there was a breakfast uh, drink that they sell. I need to look it up. But uh, there's like this breakfast drink that they push on everybody as like gives your kids energy, it's, you know, yeah. to like uh, get through the it's day and all soda. that. It's also it's, for adults. It's just sugar. It's just it's this ungodly amount of sugar. Yeah. 
and like they their their solution to like having the uh their solution uh i thought this one was, was just like a meme or something but uh it was like uh, the solution to the high sugar content is is like try our new product with reduced sugar literally the same nutritional uh ingredients and all that stuff same amount of sugar just uh the the little because it's a it's like a powder that you mix with your drink like ovaltine and whatnot nestle but it's yeah. a mexican-based breakfast drink uh their solution yeah. to, to the high sugar uh is to just include a smaller cup smaller measuring cup oh my god <laughs> jesus christ but yeah they got a yeah they got a sugar problem we do too we're not we're not we're no better no I, you know and and i think the biggest problem in the united states as far as people that are living not knowing if they're going to get food is that fast it, food tastes so fucking good well it, it's it's that the average portion for an american now is just so much larger than what it used to be it's true we eat our true. portions are I mean, way too large like it, it's it's silly it, you know, people ask me all the time, well, why don't you eat breakfast? And it's like, well, because my lunch is a thousand calories for a regular portion of what they serve you. And what? dinner is at least a thousand calories. I, I only make my own food now. It's it's, it's I go out uh, occasionally and, and very rarely. And most of the time I'm cooking at home. I've learned to cook quite a bit. And it, it's it's been it's it's been really nice and most of the time the food's better anyways when i make it at home but i want to make the point not to dog on fast food restaurants like because that is a source of food for a lot of families that is cheaper and they can afford and they don't have time to cook because they're i understand i I completely need better quality we need better quality fast food right like but is it profitable and will it sell Exactly. That's that's, that's right. The that's the question. But the same price how do you, of a McDonald's how do you salad. Convince I a child, <laughs> how do you convince a child to eat a nutritional vegetable filled salad over the chicken nugget? Right. Well, chicken nuggets aren't always actually that bad for you. I know a lot of bodybuilders that still eat chicken nuggets. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, French fries. French fries are pretty probably bad the worst thing you could probably But they can eat. make them better, right? They can like try air they frying could, but they them. They won't taste the same. They, can, they won't taste the same. But they can have the option. Right, you could have. Oh, I want my air. I want the air fried French fries. And how much would the extra would they charge? I'm just saying. I, hopefully, think about everything. It should be cheaper. It's less material. That sh- that sounds like a very niche problem that you're trying to fix. But we should really no. It is a niche problem. But I, I just want to make the point not to dog on fast food because, because it is a, an important. Put the onus first. on a fast food. No, but I, trying yeah. to put the onus on them is not going to uh, come out the way we want. Uh, especially no. because like trying to. I mean, how do you make a healthier French fry? Air fry. Gotta, it's a potato. We need starch. Which they're going to need like a whole separate equipment just to do that. And they're going to have to justify the they cost. Need, and they people need the aren't going to buy it because they're going to be like, am I going to get these new weird healthy fries or am I going to eat, you know, some good old McDonald's? Some people go to McDonald's just for their fries. And that's fine. Yeah. Trying to you can have options, buy. right? But Same thing with Wendy's. That's not, well, my point is just, just not to dog on these fast food restaurants. I, not not, no, no. not I, to make them healthier. It, just saying, like, it's 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 a source of food for some people that's important. I think if we killed fast food and social media, we'd be much happier people. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like how um, in certain countries, they don't, uh, prov- they don't let uh, uh, companies advertise to 
uh, directly to kids regarding like uh, I agree with that. That's it. nobody should be advertising stuff. to kids. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a there's a country that like uh, they had just passed a law saying like you're not allowed to have a mascot on your sugary cereals. Right. So then they had to like go back and like tape paper over like Captain Crunch and uh, yeah. all that stuff. The trick the Twitch Good. rabbit. Good. I, I think manipulation of children is the number one marketing, right? Oh yeah, that's like it gets ingrained in them. Yeah, in a way that doesn't uh, affect adults, but for kids, it's like grow up watching cartoons like that, wanting the sugary cereal and all that. Yeah, they know what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were There's doing. There's a reason why you only see yeah, kids' mind is, is valuable. Cartoons. Yeah, this is crazy. Well, well, I mean that's uh, that's all well, I have I think, to talk about for world like, hunger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, also, I think uh, it's just a good, uh, just to, not really for world hunger, but for just like nutrition in general, like yeah. uh, home ec classes, teaching kids how to yes. actually cook, cook, because it's embarrassing, like how much, how little. Uh, yeah, you can't, most people can't even make a fucking agenda. pot of spaghetti. It's like, what or the hell? How do you cook an egg? Yeah, that's so, I had a, we should I had my sister. soft, hard, soft, hard and medium boiled eggs. Like, so everybody should know how to make those three eggs. One thousand percent. And you can't say that we can rely on the parents and families to do that. Because, no, you know, we some have of them an education system. Anyway. We have an education system for this. Like of all the things to teaching? indoctrinate, quote unquote, kids indoctrinate them into learning how to cook an egg. That's right. Learn how to cook rice. How to braise some some ham. That's right. Some simple dishes. I'm, you know, a quick I'm omelet. Thirty, and I'm having to like. Re, like actually learn how to cook. I didn't learn how to cook until reading. I was 20 years old once because the only reason I wanted to learn how to cook was because I had a fancy meal at a fancy restaurant and it was really expensive and I said I can't afford this every day but I want to eat like this every day this was incredible so I was like I'm gonna learn how to cook this shit and sure enough I did it took me years to get really good at it but you know it, it's it's not as hard as people think like you just you can follow a recipe and do it like a few times and you'll start to memorize it. You'll start to, you know, take like a sauce from one recipe and try it on another recipe. Like it just ha- like the more you do it, the more the better you get it. I have a great book that I think everyone should read. It's called Cooking at Home, subtitle or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About Recipes and Love My Microwave. That's so one... long-winded, but yeah, it's by David Chang and Priya Krishna. Uh, it's a cookbook without recipes. Um, it basically teaches you how to cook hmm. um kind of like a chef but without the pressure these two got uh david chang he's like uh he's from uh he's from uh an asian background and priya uh krishna she's from uh, she's from an indian background so they have different takes on it because uh david uh he likes he his um you know his uh food it it's meat based a lot of it's meat based and uh, Priya's is more vegetarian because that's the household she grew up in, but you know this it's a fun book it's got it's not like uh it's not a it's not a dredge to read to like get through it's fun it's colorful it's got uh they bring in um I wouldn't say guest speakers but like they interview like food scientists and uh, health safety experts to like debunk some myths about cooking and food in general. Yeah, uh, what you know, all that stuff. That sounds awesome. So there's a section on like how to how to cook meats, and uh, they bring in this guy who has like 20 years background in food safety. Damn. Uh, in like in a like in a like for food factories and stuff like that, and 
he debunks the myths about cooking until the juices run clear, like with chicken and stuff like that. It's like, uh, I wouldn't really go by that. Yeah. It's more like, yeah, it's like what people don't understand investing. the, uh, the, the, everybody says, Oh, I don't like blood in my steak. There's no blood in your steak. It's hemoglobin. It's completely different from just straight up blood. Like it's safe. I don't know why eat. I keep getting food poisoning from chicken. I wait till the juices run clear. Yeah. That's, Check the chicken. Yeah. It's like 120 degrees. Yeah. No <laughs> chicken. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, this is like a I, something that I wish I had taken an interest in sooner because they they started out making this book as like a as a uh, cook like a generic cookbook. But the way uh, it started was with like a Priya was inter, was basically uh, helping David write it. But he's not given when he's cooking stuff. He's not given any like uh, specific uh, measurements or anything like that. It's like ah, oh, just throw some uh, cayenne pepper here, a little bit of white pepper there, a dash of some uh, 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 agave syrup. It's like, why are you not using any measurements, dude? And he's like, well, I mean, it's just cooking. If I use the exact measurements, uh, then people are only going to be able to taste it the way I like it. Yeah. I, give, I keep it open-ended so that they can uh, do that. I teach them, I tell them like how to do it. She's, yeah, just, just don't how to do overdo the- anything. Like, it, it? yeah, just just put however much you think is, is necessary, which is, it, it's always never that much. It's always... Keep it like a tablespoon to a teaspoon, depending on how strong the seasoning is. You always tell how strong a seasoning is just by smelling it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you smell it and it's really strong, probably stick to around the tablespoon, teaspoon around, and you. The point I'm trying to get across with this book is to get, uh, or just like this book, and for teaching kids like uh, how to cook in like school and stuff like that, is to get them interested in food. So that they're yeah. asking these questions like, okay, I want to make some foods and like trying these different produce and stuff. Yeah. And then asking, why aren't there more available around? You know? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Why don't we have more than that? And, and, and just to clarify on your point about the chicken earlier, just in case anybody is wondering, chicken should be cooked to 165 degrees for it to be safe to eat. Uh, yep, that's what. Uh, yeah. Yep, that's what the book says. Yeah. And also just a side thing that has nothing to do with this. Uh, interesting how like uh, when people like ask for like a have you ever had someone at a restaurant ask for like a, a rare burger no not a no. rare burger medium no. rare medium, like, medium rare is usually as low as they'll go yeah yeah. I had an uncle who like would try who would eat like rare burgers like it was some like like some like manly thing with that that's it's like, disgusting oh, yours is like yours is overcooked it's like what? it's like a little you gotta like, kill wow, it's gotta some of the rare. surface bacteria and stuff like you've got to make sure exactly because it's, it's not like ground beef. It, it yeah ground beef isn't like like a steak because a lot of the bacteria is like on the outside it's right. trying to penetrate in that's why when you yeah. dry age it they cut off the edges yeah and it, that's or like the surface of it like maybe like a quarter of an inch or up to a half and it's safe to eat Ground yeah. beef ain't like that because you're grounding it up and it's spreading everywhere. That's right. So when you're cooking it with like making a rare, like a medium rare burger, you gotta you gotta get it hot enough to at least kill surface bacteria at the very least. Yeah. Just something to. It's always to nice say. to steam your vegetables too, right? If you're gonna eat raw vegetables, it's okay, but just don't do it too much because there are like um, bacteria and and a lot of vegetables release. Uh, uh, acids and different types of things to protect themselves like in nature naturally so it's not very good for you to eat all that so steaming your I vegetables kill that. that wait so you're saying that my vegetables are trying to kill me they and are so they are trying to person. kill you yes they absolutely okay. are trying to kill you there's actually a type of bean that you can eat and if you eat this bean without cooking it uh it will kill you like you what? eat enough of it 
What? Yep, you can eat like two or three cans. I think it was like two or three cans of this, this certain type of bean, and it will kill you if you do not cook it. I resent you for giving me that info, but not telling me which bean it is. All right, let me yeah. look it up. Let me see. I just got to avoid all beans until yeah. you tell me which one it is. Well, I, I would like to circle a little bit back more to the uh, the hunger side of the food conversation. Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest issues, especially in the United States, is that we throw out all food when we're done with it, like at restaurants and at any food place. Oh, yeah. All, like think about I... all the wasted food. That is just thrown out at the end of the night. There you go. Red kidney beans, apparently. I think that's, I don't know if Isn't that's it the right France one. that uh, outlawed that? Did France outlaw it? France or maybe specifically Paris, but uh, one of those two, they outlawed, I'm going to look it up real quick, had outlawed uh, throwing away. And it looks like red. Yeah. In here. Okay, so it's red kidney beans. It's red they kidney beans. A type so they of, kill stomachs. Yeah. yeah. So they kill your stomach cells. Yep. To yeah, and and it and it can kill you. Sick for hours. Okay, it might not kill you, but it can kill rats. Eating raw kidney beans could also make you incredibly sick for hours. Interesting. Yeah. So there's different types of vegetables. Like, it, it, like you should always be like removing these toxins from your vegetables in some manner. Most of the time, yeah. steaming your vegetables seems to do the trick. So, and I yeah. say steaming because you can keep a lot of the nutrients when you steam your vegetable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was France that. Uh, France. Uh, okay. Specifically to supermarkets. Uh, back in 2016, they outlawed uh, supermarkets from destroying unsold uh food products oh hmm. that's good to know that would I be mean, something interesting to adopt here in the u.s yeah um, just because you know they do the same thing i mean like if you go to walmart they you know they got the bakery stuff that they're uh that they sell at a discount like at, for like a fraction of the price because they're expiring like today yeah right but maybe something a little more wide uh spread to prevent that waste because I mean, just think about think about if every McDonald's in America took all of their burgers that were going to go bad the following day, and or say two days. They took all the burgers. No, Uh, they got it down to a science. They're not wasting a whole lot. Uh, Fun fact: Wendy's. um, You know, you cook the meat, uh, then you slide it onto like uh, the section. This is back in twenty. 10 2011 back when i worked there so they may have changed their stuff since then but basically you cook the burger you put it on the on the other grill to keep it warm it's got a timer on there that you press as soon as you put the meat on there the row of meat and as soon as that row of meat goes out the meat is no longer considered uh good to like serve to on burgers and stuff however they that meat gets put in a heated drawer um for about an hour or two, uh, whenever we empty them, I don't, I, I don't remember. It's been a while, but basically that meat uh, then gets turned into ground meat uh, for the chili. So they're not wasting a whole lot of food at like fast. This was in uh, Wendy's, and I also worked at Whataburger too. And same thing, we weren't, we weren't throwing out a whole lot of meat. In fact, they were pretty upset when we did throw out any meat at all because we at least at whataburger they had us cooking on demand wendy's they had us like you know planning ahead you know 
because it's served right. in like I said a row of meat because that's how they did it. Like they had if we would like do like boss would be like uh or whoever's up front like hey can you throw down a row of meat or like two two rows and then that's like eight eight patties right there. Yeah, I worked at um Little Caesars for a little bit and I I'm with Greg on that one. They they don't Little Caesars was very very tight. They do not waste their food. It's mainly because it's like refrigerated and frozen. So like they yeah. they got it down to where like they have like ex they have ex, excess, you know, by the end of the week, but they're already reordering more and you're using it up within the time frame. So they're not I don't see a whole lot of waste there except, you know, I also I worked in the grill for the first half of my time working there and then at least at Whataburger and then the last second half they had me up front. Uh probably cuz of my pretty face, but they I had a lot of people just, you know, just go back to the serving size, you know, people are ordering like the triple water burger with a large fry and seven and only finishing like half of it and throwing it away. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just, that's more of like a cultural thing though. Yeah. If water burgers started uh, lowering their shrinkflationing their uh, products, there's going to be a and uproar. Maybe, maybe the answer isn't the restaurants. Maybe it's the people themselves, like the customers. If there was like, let me ask you this. If there was a place that you could donate your say, you want to donate food, right? But you want to donate fast food, right? Or instead of donating just canned goods and something like that. And it was really convenient and really easy to get that to someone. Would you do it? If somebody came and picked it up from my house, yes. That's the problem though, right? Like again, America, our, our story is convenience, right? So yeah. a lot of people don't even deliver canned goods or, or excess food that they have because it's they have to get out and go find somewhere to do it and drive somewhere and, and but i feel like there's not so like those places are not well known they're not they're right? not well known um, they're not well those, known and you have to seek them out like, yeah I, in my opinion it should be broadcast everywhere that hey you know there should, especially be, it should during, be like a service like yeah, like I should, should be able be a, to dial uh, eight six six, and uh, I get a hold of my local food storage, and they can come pick up some excess food. Exactly. Here's something I off the top of my head. Completely agree. Uh, let me know what you guys think about this one. Uh, how's about like with like you know just like with local governments, you know, uh, they local or you know state whatever, uh, giving a supermarket a choice either. They contribute a certain amount in terms of uh, non-perishable foods to local food pantries, or they're not. Or uh, if they don't want to participate in that, then they are not allowed to uh, get rid of. Uns- they're not allowed to destroy unsold product. I think just not allowed to destroy unsold product product solves both of those. Well, we need to give them an incentive, you know, because they're going to want to. You know, because that's kind of like they you want to draw businesses into your local area. You don't want to you don't want to, you know, just set up a bunch of rules for punishment. You want to, you know, give them rewards as well so that you can, you know. Well, what's the local economy? There's only two, the there's only two options here and neither one's a reward. Either either one is giving something up. That is true. But, you know, it gives them the option to, you know, contribute to the local community. So, so and, just saying, just saying, you know, you're not allowed to destroy food, right? You could and advertise. No, you city could to, advertise like you just uh, have Walmart a is a proud supporter break. of our local food pantry. No, you get you get and a tax, tax breaks. Break. Yeah, we can do yeah. both. Yeah, tax yeah. Tax the tax break is the, what the, the business would be. So many talks. You just yeah. what you would do is you would you'd release a, a law saying they're not allowed to destroy their food. And in that law, it would say tax breaks were available for people who provided a certain amount of food to food, local food pantries and things like that. Yeah. 
You would just need the infrastructure around it to to to, to be able uh, to deliver that kind of food and, and storage. It's the logistics yeah. that's really uh, the, the challenging part. part. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I I think I think if you could solve the logistics, then maybe drones are the answer to that, right? <laughs> Yeah, just have like a drone pick up, pick up uh, the. If I, if I just were to walk it. out in my front yard and just set, you know, a little container of food and have a drone come and pick it up, so no human would have to do it, and then that drone would then go deliver it to someone in need of food. Problem solved. Yeah. Don't you think the convenience, uh, making everything as convenient as possible, is what's bringing us to this, the to where we are right now, having everything so convenient? Because like. But you know, yeah. fast food became more and more convenient as time went on, and it, you know, it does have a lot produce to do with and local, right you know, like local, like you know, like produce and stuff like that. Learning how to cook kind of but took the, a backseat to that the because question, of convenience. The question is, do we take away people's convenience to try to make them better, or do we improve convenience? Or can we just available? slow down convenience and focus more on? Because I think we're, it's uh, food like for those who can actually afford it. You know, this is gonna, you know. Not to sound, you know, privileged, but it's pretty convenient right now. If you have the money, you can. Oh, absolutely! It's, it's super. Everything yeah. is. Everything pretty, is within if you your can afford it. We're talking about food pantries and things. We are, we are, but to, I think to Greg's point is that you know, would us sacrificing our convenience of the people who have help the people who have not? No. Why would that? Why would that help? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was to understand. <laughs> that idea that I had with the the, the, the supermarkets <laughs> and the, tax, the you know all that that was just off the top of my head. I just wanted no, to no. I think like... it's a great idea to say the supermarkets are not allowed to destroy their perishables. And by nature, we can just say you get a tax break. You know, if you if you donate those perishables to your local food source, and then by nature they'll do one of two things. They either uh, create a scarcity on purpose to sell all their food quickly so they don't have to worry about it, or they'll donate. I'm thinking now they're going to do the first thing. Right? I'm thinking now they're going to do the first thing too. But, <laughs> <you know? laughs> Nobody acts in good faith. And that's no, that's the like problem. Big, that's no, kind of no one big... acts in good faith. The yeah. dollar is what matters to every this single is why person. This shouldn't be relying on, like, yeah. on third-party stuff like that for uh basic necessities remember i sent y'all that thing about amazon uh buying one medical and providing basic... i signed up you signed up for that i did i did you have health um, insurance why would you do that no, no no i signed up for the um the the doctor locator portion because that's it's that you don't get health insurance with the basic plan it just provides you access to medical care wait wait, wait. Are there different tiers or is it just... It, no, the, so the one medical that I signed up for, because I wanted to try it out, it's $144 a year. Yeah, that's okay. the only one that they provide. That does not include health insurance. What is it? No, it's, it's, no it's, 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 it's advertised it's like, as like a it's health like insurance, an access but it's... Pass. Yeah. It's exactly. like an access pass to like ZocDoc and to... Um, like doctor's offices and priority queuing. So just basic like visits? Like, does it cover the visit itself or no? It, it, it allows you to charge your visit directly because it allows you to charge your visit directly to um, insurance. So like, I don't know if you've ever used like um, on my wife's health plan, we have used MD Live in the past. Well, MD Live, even though they bill your insurance, they charge you $50 a visit. 
I don't understand. I'm so confused. So yeah. this is just supplemental thought, insurance. I thought. Wait, I thought the the you gave the the health company your insurance card, and then they just build build the insurance. I thought that's right. That but these but these middle these man in the middle providers like Zocdoc, yeah. MD Live, stuff like that. They take a fee out. That I don't, is I don't understand this. This is insurance. confusing me. Is, so you're saying a copay? Yeah. It's it's like a copay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, it's highway robbery is what it is because like my wife's insurance should cover all of that. Like it's a daily checkup or it's a, a, a monthly checkup, um, but they don't. And so you know, they charge you forty five dollars, fifty dollars per fifteen minute phone call. In fact, most of them are like five minutes. It's like five minutes, so it's fifty bucks. Yeah. So I'm trying this. I'm going to try this, and we're going to see what happens with it. So. Oh yeah, try it and report back. Yeah, I'm curious. I saw, to see what happens. I saw it as like a, as like a, you know, I was excited and a little disappointed in it, not because of the uh, amount of it of what it offers, but the fact that a big company like Amazon is doing something like this because it's such a huge problem in this country, health insurance, because you know we still have, you know, we still have employers asking wage workers, people working, making like less than $20 an hour, less than $15 an hour to like bring in a doctor's note. It's like, yep. motherfucker, we don't have health insurance. children for you God's sakes. You're in charge of scheduling. You make it to where I don't qualify for health insurance. How am I going to get a doctor's visit for without it? Not their problem. That's what I was seeing this as, like a as like a way for them to get like these doctor's notes and to get the care that they need to like actually be able to see a doctor without having the. But it doesn't risk, pay. For, it doesn't pay killed. for the doctor's visit, does it? But that's like, let's see what it does. Like, is it just for supplement for people with health insurance, or is it like, can you get yeah. it by itself? See how to much. Me, it, see how yeah, much so it can do without your insurance if you're willing I'll, to I'll risk not. If yeah, you're I'll willing to risk ways. it, because I know if you do that, you're not going to be able to uh, contribute towards your um, uh, your deductible or what well, is it with health insurance out of pocket? Yeah, 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 you're out of pocket, out of pocket expense. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just like to get a um, figure out how much it is. Maybe I can do that without actually going through with it. Um, yeah, they, you could always ask the doctor's office, and then they'll go and like fill out the paperwork and call them and do everything. And then they'll be like, yeah, they're not going to cover this. And then you give them right. other health insurance and then they'll cover it. Right. Well, we have hit our mark. Is there anything else that we would like to talk about? No, I'm good. Man. Of world I, I think, I think we talked about quite a bit. I've learned a lot today. I'm happy. I have like, too. this is, this has been a very interesting conversation. There's, I just, I've learned so much and I feel like, uh, there's a Did lot. you learn more from the uh, conversation itself or from the research doing uh, in the background? Both. I'm just curious. But, well, I didn't learn I, I more learned from a lot one from or both. the other. Yeah, I learned a lot yeah, from I, both. Yeah, I learned a lot from both. I, I think I learned more hard facts around, you know, what I was looking up. Um, but, like, the hydroponic farms, I had no idea uh, that that was progressing in such a rate. Yeah, that was that wild. They are. It and seems like we went off topic for a little bit, but world hunger is such a multi faceted it is that it was bound to go off topic and well well, there's just more not just starving right yeah it's not just starving it's access to adequate food it's logistics it's politics it's war it's you know these are facts backed up by ai 
That's right. Is that what your chat B- GPT said? Chat That's GPT right. was like, to solve world hunger, solve world hunger. Duh. That's right. Solve, <laughs> solve poverty. Yeah. <laughs> Feed people. Duh. Stop war. That's how you Change solve world cultures. hunger. Stop war. Yeah, they, I will say the most interesting fact that stood out to me, though, was that 75% of people that are malnourished are in conflict zones. Yeah, that's 75%. Wild. Like, so that means, like, so around the 828 million, right? So you're talking about, what, at least 600 million people Close, yeah. are in a conflict zone, yep. and they're hungry. Yeah, that's wild. We have the resources to where... Nobody should be going hungry. We have the resources. We don't have the logistics. And we can't right. control other countries. Yep, that's exactly right. Not unless the entire world came together and said, nope, food is a universal right across every single human being in the world. And here's how we're going to deliver it. And every country is going to pay in and donate this much. And it's going to be a very large, substantial amount. Yeah. And 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 you should... But, here, here's something that's even more, and this is kind of where the United States stance has been previously, and under Trump, it kind of like changed. But like, should the United States be paying, which they we would be paying the majority into a fund like that, when we're not getting any benefit from it? Uh, well, you know what I mean. We're talking about like, a utopian society, essentially, is exactly. what we're trying to move towards. And exactly. We're not quite there yet, and it's kind of we're asking the question. Should we be focusing on helping the whole world reach that utopian society, or should America, uh, specifically United States, be reaching that utopian society first by right. itself? And that, that's that's a, a this an is interesting. Like the, uh, this is like the idea behind like uh, taxes uh, in general. We're investing in our people so that we can create a better society that's safer and better than had we not. Yeah, I feel like if we was approached like that, you know, we're doing this so that we can reduce world conflict and all this stuff. It's an investment in our security, which That's is right. what we invest. We invest in our security already, but it's going towards the military. Yeah, but you know, it's a it's a risky thing to do. Like you know, take some of that uh, military budget and invest it into other con- under developing other developing countries as a way of like showing support and. Uh, you know, building. We do. I mean, we we do invest a lot peace. of money into other countries. We do. We do. How much money did we send uh, the Ukraine? Ukraine? A lot. Oh, I don't even. It know. was like oh, a couple lot. hundred million. Uh, no, it's, I it's think we sent more than that. Billions? Yeah. One second. I'll I'll look it up. How much? Japan is doing the same thing. Japan, a small country. They're uh, they're um. U.S. has committed more than twenty-four point nine billion in security assistance to Ukraine. Yep. Twenty-four point nine billion. Yep, twenty-four. With a B. Yep, that's right. Man. I think Japan. Uh, Japan's committing five point five billion. One second. There's a few uh, charts. This is a little confusing. Okay, so humanitarian three point nine. Holy shit! Wait, what? And. As a side thing, since the war began, the Biden administration and the U.S. Congress have directed nearly more than seventy-five billion dollars in assistance to the Ukraine. So that's you know, this isn't that's that's not just the money. That's that's humanitarian, financial, security assistance, weapons and equipment. Weapons and equipment was the twenty-three billion. Financial was twenty-six billion. Humanitarian was four billion. Wow! 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 
Oh, and, and we've loaned them money too. We've given them grants and loans as well for weapons yep. at a 6% yep. interest. Just as a side note, uh, it's estimated that 10% of those $800 billion in PPP loans uh, were from fraud. How many? How much percent? 10. 10 percent of 800 so, billion so 800 billion, billion 80 oh billion dollars in fraud going out to dickheads buying yachts upgrading their houses those are the ones cars. that we found out about that's not even uh, all of it like this one is uh estimated that uh, estimated, yeah, estimated. Like known and oh, okay. unknown it doesn't okay. say whether or not uh, think, uh, all right this has been a really interesting discussion guys but i think uh we're reaching our time here so let's go ahead and wrap this up Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, well, I guess until next time, Red, Greg, I'll see you guys later. All right. See you guys later. Later.